Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. It's wonderful to be back with you, Simone. I'm, I won't Two be... in a row. Look at you. Exactly. Look at you. I'm very proud of you. Yes. Well, my, uh, my part-time side hustle here, I'm actually not interviewing <laughs> anyone. I'm just here to intro the... Uh, this is know, like the, light desk duty for exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> You're able to snag me uh, for a little intro. But no, I have really been enjoying the conversations from Everlab. I, I really appreciated uh, Chet's um, interview last week as well. It's as- funny how you get to know somebody when you talk to them. I talked to Chet probably several times a week. No kidding you. And I felt like I learned even more um on the show from him, just sitting across from him and having a, a one-on-one conversation with all of our great yeah. listeners. You never know what's going to happen when you put someone behind a microphone. For example, I had to go and Google his walk-up song. Ah. That was one I had not heard of, nor I'm telling I you, we should have a whole show about what happens here during the breaks because <laughs> he played it for us during the breaks. Yeah, well... That was certainly an interesting response. Yes. Um, a lot going on this week. Yes. A lot going on down in your yes. neck of the woods. Selfishly. So it was finally Coastal Day in Terrebonne Parish. We have talked about it for a very long time. Uh, this is the second time they host their event at their Civic Center. And it's basically an interactive showcase. Um, they bring in equipment. They have tons of folks that have tables like Restore Retreat, but also uh, some of the companies that work there and their levy districts, uh, their government, Office of Emergency Preparedness, and things like that. Um, So it was a very good day. It started off, it kicked off with uh, the monthly board meeting at CPRA. And they, when they usually travel, uh, they call it their roadshow. When they usually go in their roadshow, they feature a lot about that area in the agenda. And so, uh, of course, they talked about the high water event. Um, they talked about upcoming hurricane season. But they also talked about some of the flood protection measures in both Terrebonne and Lafouche. They talked about our friends in Bayou Lafouche, uh, some of the freshwater updates that are happening there. And then they brought some of our friends in from the Army Corps of Engineers to talk about some of the work that they're doing in Terrebonne Parish. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly people in Terrebonne are very engaged, very aware of what's happening, no doubt because of the great work of Restore Retreat. But also, you know, I, I do really like that CPRA kind of does these traveling yeah. board meetings and they're able to feature different things that are happening across the coast. I mean, obviously... You know, the challenges facing New Orleans versus Homa versus, you know, um, Calcasieu, they're also different. And you get to see, you know, it's nice for the community to be able Mm -hmm. to focus on that. There's a new reporter at the Comet and Courier, which Mm -hmm. is in from that area. So it allows them to focus on that community, too, and see how they play a part in the bigger picture of CPRA's uh, restoration and protection efforts. Well, I heard that, uh, you know, you had our 360 video at uh, Terrebonne's Coastal Day. Um, you know, Those are it, always a big hit. You yeah. know, even being from the parish, I was born and raised there. It's totally different to see and experience something like Whiskey Island or Wax Lake Outlet um, in that kind of uh, virtual reality. Uh, we're we're going to be going and headed down to the Creole Classic, which is a fishing nice. tournament uh, that we have helped out with uh, last year and this year. Uh, and they do a launch party and it's a kid friendly event. Um, but that was a huge hit last year was bringing down three. 60 and folks of all ages. Uh, I do have to say I get a lot of fun uh, about uh, fun watching people 
do virtual reality. <laughs> sometimes they have to grab a chair. Sometimes they grab out for things. It's it's that realistic. Yeah. It's well, pretty and neat. If you haven't checked it out, you can go online to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash 360 and view uh, the, uh, the, the video yourself. Yeah. Well, some other events happening. Um, our partners at the Coalition of Restore Coast of Louisiana, they're doing their last volunteer event for the Point of Shen Living Shoreline Project, where they're deploying artificial reefs um, to help protect some areas uh, in Point of Shen. It is on Saturday, June 29th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And you can go online um, to crcl.org uh, to sign up. Uh, really great project. And there's quite a few of our friends in Southwest Louisiana. They're having CPRA Southwest Coastal Public Meetings. They're having them uh, throughout Southwest Louisiana. Some this week were in Lake Charles and, and Sulphur. And then next week coming up in Cameron, Abbeville, and Gaydon. So some of our friends in Southwest Louisiana, they're having a public meeting on their coastal study. Um, and so you can check out the CPRA's webpage on that. Also, you can find the agenda items from the past CPRA. PRA meeting. Um, those are listed under their calendar under archives, and you can find those presentations posted there. Well, no shortage of news going on, um, you know, this week. Um, you, you may have seen that uh, earlier, well, this past weekend, the Times-Picayune published a series of articles from Tristan Barrick, um, who we've had on in the past, um, really looking at the Mississippi River and the history of engineering. It's very timely. <laughs> exactly. Um, all along the river, particularly in the upper river, you know, and um, he kind of starts with discussing the headwaters at Lake Itasca in Minnesota and then talking about engineering and modifications that have happened down um, through the Midwest and then kind of even further downriver, but also looking at the importance of the river in terms of uh, trade and navigation. Um, issues of sedimentation. He quotes Dr. Alicia Renfro with National Wildlife Federation. I know Federation. her. Exactly. So really amazing, comprehensive series. I think there are six articles in total, graphics, um, and they're available on NOLA.com by Tristan Bark. So highly recommend you go check it out. I sent it to my in-laws up in Minnesota. <laughs> in I was like, Minnesota? just so you know, this, what happens up there in Minnesota affects <laughs> us down here. It's interesting to see Tristan's take on that, too, because mm-hmm. during events like this kind of high water flood fight, 2019 that's when we really kind of only seems that's when we only talk about you know what happens upriver affects us so greatly but um, you know when it rains in Nebraska how long it takes to get here and how that affects us so it's nice to see Trish Tristan take that in-depth look and take the time to be able to kind of research and dig down deep I'm sure it's going to help his future work as well well right and um, you know I mean we really are kind of so much of the influence area for the rest of the country. I mean, one third of the continental United States, 31 states, two Canadian provinces, you know, so it's been raining a lot in a lot of places, um, more extreme weather, more, you know, precipitation, and that's coming down and impacting our river and our, you know, um, and our river um, flood control system. So uh, it's a very important issue to understand kind of the history of that engineering and, um, you know, really 
what it has done up and down the Mississippi River Valley. So we had some journalists in town that that were kind of doing what Tristan did and, and taking a look at Louisiana and the Gulf Coast. So I can't wait to see what they come out with, if that's what Tristan learned when he learned about the North Mississippi River. Yeah. So this was part of the Institute for Journalism, Natural Resources, Upper River Miss, Upper Mississippi River Institute. That's a mouthful. Um, and, and so we had folks that were here as part of the Lower Mississippi River Institute. So yeah, I think there will be some stories coming out in the coming months on that. Um, well, I'm excited to listen in. We have two great guests. Who are you yeah, talking kinda, to today? We kind of focus on philanthropy in this show. Uh, two friends of ours uh, that work at different uh, foundations um, that have uh, influenced our work here in Louisiana. And that goes uh, unnoticed a lot of times, but how much of a role philanthropy, philanthropy has played here in coastal Louisiana. So we have Liz Russell-Williams from Foundation for Louisiana. Uh, she's going to be talking about LA Safe and some of their ongoing work work, uh, including Lead the Coast. Uh, and then we had our good friend Kristen Traxon from Walton Family Foundation talking about why she got involved in the first place right. down here. I mean, well, and both of those organizations have done so much to support the coast, coastal communities, coastal restoration. Um, and I mean, particularly since Katrina, but it's just shown how much impact um, those groups have had um, and the need that exists, you know, um, yeah, and, and that, how that there are people really yeah. dedicated to looking at this um, and these issues and saying, you know, no, this is important and the work of Louisiana's coast is important and what happens up and down the Mississippi River is important, not just locally, but, you know, yeah. to the entire country. It's a real partnership and it's uh, been nice. Uh, nice is such an understatement to see how philanthropy can come in and really support and complement some of the work of the government and, and the community. So it's been really nice to see them. It was it was really nice uh, perspective to go back and kind of talk about their interest here in Louisiana. Well, excited to listen in and well, my hiatus, my nice June vacation ends and we'll be back next week. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM, always available online at deltadispatches.org. We'll be right back after the break. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats 
for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Simone Willas with Restore Retreat. Hi, Simone. I'm Kristen Trotz with the Walton Family Foundation. Um, my friend Jacques abandoned me again. I'm so sorry to hear that. I, again. I feel really guilty being yes. on the show without him. Yes. Um, but he left me it's again, true. just to be clear. I heard he got um, a Patagonia backpack out of the deal. I don't even so. want to talk about it. I don't even The swag contest right? was, was over before it started. I got started. a water bottle once. A water bottle. Mm. That's our swag. Okay, you probably left it where you left it, too. So, Um, This is your first time on the show. Can you believe? For your 100th episode. Can you believe you, like, practically live here in Louisiana, (laughs) and this is the first time you have graced us with your... The avid listener, Chip Klein, has had so many more appearances than I have, and I'm really embarrassed about it. So, tell us about your love affair with Louisiana. It's long and deep. Just like any love affair. Like any love affair. We have our issues. So, I work for the Walton Family Foundation, and my program has been, um, at various times, coastal Louisiana and whole Gulf Coast. And our work comes from um, the environment program's focus on the Mississippi River. And it used to be sort of, I'm, I'm the tail end of the river team from, we, we decided to split it around Natchez. And that south of Natchez is mine. Did y'all just like, hey. We just picked a spot on the map, you know. Nothing happens there that would be too contentious. We can use that as a boundary. Um, So the the foundation's work was originally focused on wetlands restoration as part of the river story and and our efforts along the river. And after the uh, oil spill in 2010, we saw an opportunity to, to work with partners in other states around what became the Restore Act and how the oil spill settlement dollars get spent on rebuilding the coast. So I want to talk about that in just a minute, about yeah. about how what Louisiana's relationship is with water and that is similar to other people. But, you know, the Walton Family Foundation in general has areas of interest and environment is significant. Totally. So our environment program is one of our three areas. We have an education program, a home region program, which is what we call the sort of Northwest Arkansas mm-hmm. quality of life work, and the environment's the third one. So you're on your third generation we are um, moving to the third generation on the board, yep. And environment, education, those in, in centered around Arkansas, that's always been pillars of what they've been interested in. It has been. The environment works the newest, so that staffed up around 2007. And I think some of the work, um, circling back to your earlier question about Louisiana, some of the work that the Walmart company did after Katrina and the, the ability to sort of respond to a disaster and realize they could bring their corporate assets in ways other than and just stores and you know, their logistics in particular really opened the eyes of the family to this work 
and became a big part of why they were interested in Louisiana. So you've been you've been here a while. Yep. Have you seen progress? We always, you know, we're here all the time. We're in it. And so it's always interesting, interesting to hear an outsider's perspective about what do you think? How are we doing? So I started working down here in 2006, right after the, after Katrina, for a, a just different when things got real just fun. Just when things yeah. got real messy. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know, obviously, that those early years of just recovery phase were, were so distinct. And so that, you know, we're in a much longer term conversation now. We're thinking a lot more proactively. You know, I think the going through that experience gave this community a chance to look ahead and to, to think more comprehensively about how you manage risk and how you live with water. I know lots of your guests have talked about that connection with, with inside the city, outside the city and the coast. And I think for me, the biggest change and marker of progress is, you know, after Katrina, people were saying things like, why do those people live down there? Why do they live below sea level? Why are they living in harm's way? And I have after, the same questions about some people in the other parts of this country. Right? Right? <laughs> I mean, everybody's got their thing, but I think we've had so many disasters, and specifically, you know, Sandy. No one asked, you know, why Goldman Sachs is on Wall Street when right. they took on water, and so that conversation has really changed. And I, I see that being progress that we're not just using these as one-off disasters that were, you know, oh, people made bad choices. Right. We're thinking much more comprehensively about what do we do? You know, people live on coasts. We have assets on coasts. What, how are we going to protect that aspect of our, our society, but also recognize, that, you know, with changing climates, we have increasingly intense storms and we, we need to be able to to do more than just you know, hope for the best with the hurricane trajectory. And you mean not just in Louisiana, right? Y'all do work in Colorado, all these other places. Yep. You see that other places from your kind of national perspective with the foundation. Yeah, so we work all along the Mississippi River, as I was saying, and you know, it, it's flooding absolutely all along the river. So there's, there's all kinds of conversations there. We also work uh, on the Colorado River. Which they have different water problems. Different water problem, and, and no, we're not going to pipe water from our river over there. That's a suggestion. It, it comes up if you see the comments on the NOLA.com piece. There's a, there's a lot of that suggestion. Um, we also work internationally on oceans issues, but you know, within the freshwater program in the Colorado and the Mississippi, you know, the disasters are different, but it's it's a common conversation and we're trying to figure out you know how do you bring you know, not just the, the crunchy granola types that are really you know taking the environmental side of this, but quinoa. how do you take the quinoa you know, how do you bring the finance community? How do you bring the business community? How do you bring, you know, folks whose businesses depend on these assets? So you know, folks like bankers who are issuing mortgages to places that are at risk, whether it's from coastal flooding or it's from, you know, river flooding in, in the Colorado when that does happen. Um, how you set that bigger table is a big part of what our work is and, and the common conversation we're having in, in each of these different program areas. One of the areas that you and I are, get a chance to work on is finance. And it's, it's a totally different conversation than the granola quinoa conversation, right. thankfully for people like me. But conferences like we're at um, at Everlab just bring in a totally different audience. So I yep. want to hear your perspective about finance and how that's just adds this different element to the coastal conversation that we're having here in Louisiana. Yeah, I think, you know, the conversation has shifted. That's another marker of progress over the past, we call it 10, 15 years. You know, we're talking 
not about getting companies to pay for stuff that they should be doing anyway, but thinking more holistically about you know, how do you reduce your risk? How do you make sure you have, you know, I, I know you had Robin on talking about business continuity. Yeah. How do you plan for that and make it part of the regular course of doing business? And I think what we're hearing at this conference is really um, some edge of that envelope conversations about, you know, bringing capital to bear on projects. Most of them have been around things that have ratepayers or users mm -hmm. where there's a revenue stream coming back. And I think some of the, the work that we're exploring is, you know, how do you look at building projects where we haven't yet found that revenue source where people right. don't yet pay for either the benefit of flood protection or the cost of being flooded. Yeah, right, right. And so what I'm really interested in is, is sort of the next step forward in this conversation is like building from, you know, the, the environmental impact bonds that are happening in Atlanta and Philadelphia, you know, those are really interesting, but how could we look at a, an entire coastal scale of that? And what are the ways in which you could cost and pay for environmental services that like restoration provides? And so I think this conference is a, a great chance to sort of push that envelope, have those conversations, figure out what other people are doing. There's a lot of common challenges. Yeah, so we're, it's so interesting to hear them say it's not a money problem, but right. a deal problem, right? right? I, I wrote that deal down. Problem, and yep. then then also to this idea that there's no normal, right. that every situation is so different. But there are a lot of exciting opportunities here in Louisiana, and we can't wait to get into the next phase of that. And there's literally so. no time to lose. No time to lose. No time to lose. How was your first experience on Delta Dispatches? Oh, it was so wonderful. I can't wait to come back. I'm not even going to ask you a fun question, <laughs> which is the real, that's the real kicker of Delta Dispatches. Uh, actually, I am going to go ahead and ask you a um, fun question. Um, Louisiana, we have lots of boats here. Um, we have camps, and people like to name them mm -hmm. to give some personalities. Mm -hmm. So if you had a boat or camp here in Louisiana, oh, what yeah. would you name it? Interesting. I would have to come up with a good pun, so I probably need some help crowdsourcing. Our, my good friend, Joni Tuck, tells me, never say no to a boat ride. Yeah, right. So I, I feel like I'd have to pull something from that. <laughs> um, it's always interesting to hear people's answers. You gave no answer, but told me exactly like how watch. you would get there. It tells a lot <laughs> about a person. It tells a lot about a person. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the show. I uh, hope you enjoyed me. Everlab, and we look forward to working with you some more. Sounds great. Thank you. We're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990, and you can find us on Google Play and iTunes. On the ASPN Network, coastal news for the pelagic-minded. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Simone Laws with Restore Retreat. I am lucky enough today to be joined by Liz Williams-Russell from the Foundation for Louisiana. Welcome to the show, Liz. Thank you so much. Welcome back yeah, to the show. Yeah, great to be back. Absolutely. Uh, for those of you who may not remember, Liz is the Coastal and Climate Program Director over at the Foundation for Louisiana. 
Tell us a little bit, uh, remind folks about your background sure. and about Foundation for Louisiana. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Foundation for Louisiana was actually started as Louisiana Disaster Recovery Foundation uh, about five days after Hurricane Katrina, meant to be a philanthropic intermediary that could pull in resources from many diverse funders and get them out to communities on the ground that really needed support after disaster. Uh, a few years after, we were able to transition and expand our work statewide. Uh, And so I have the privilege of managing the coastal and climate portfolio, which has really grown and expanded uh, over the last few years. Must have nothing to do over there, Liz. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I like to say, I mean, I'm trained as an architect. It is a totally an accident that I ended up doing this work, but I feel very lucky uh, to continue constantly figuring it out with all of our allies. Both are kind of puzzles, right? <laughs> <laughs> kind of trying yeah. to figure it out. Absolutely. So recently, y'all had an announcement from the governor about some work that y'all were very close to. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, actually, back in 2017, uh, we partnered with the state's Office of Community Development to co-fund and co-manage more than 71 community planning meetings. Oh, uh, very ambitious yeah, there, Liz. Across very six ambitious. parishes. We decided 10 months. That sounds like a great plan to do uh, so many meetings. Yeah, we had just under 3,000 unique resident participants, meaning if you came to multiple meetings, we didn't yeah. count you twice. Um, but we really worked over over uh, the course of those 10 months across those 10 parishes to really talk about how land loss impacts communities and businesses. How do we think about restoration? And also, how do we plan for those impacts to communities and businesses across 10 years from now, 25 years from now, 50 years from now, the timeline of the Coastal Master Plan? What does it actually look like to think about sectors that may not think of themselves as environmental? So most people might remember that as being called L.A. Safe, right? And so that is in – it was – specifically only in six parishes, but yeah. for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, LA Safe, which stands for Louisiana Strategic Adaptations for Future Environments. This is like a quiz asking yeah. you all these. <laughs> what does all um, this stand for? Uh, so the, the state had actually received a $40 million award through the National Disaster Resilience Competition uh, in relation to Hurricane Isaac. So the parishes that were eligible still were had unmet affected, needs from right. those storms. Yeah, um, from Hurricane Isaac in 2012. Um, So we had been working more specifically in Plaquemines Parish to design a process with residents that would work uh, in Louisiana. And uh, then all of a sudden we were scaling to six parishes and we were rolling out. Um, So it all moved very quickly. Um, I think that's a helpful explanation about the six parishes. I think some people may have thought that maybe y'all you know, just picked them. Yeah, just <laughs> no, picked them. It wasn't right? random. A little picking and choosing. It wasn't random. Um, but and it makes sense that it's directly tied to Isaac, Isaac. And, and the recoveries. Yeah. So. And actually, Governor Edwards, um, in the announcement, uh, there were obviously the six parish uh, strategy documents. However, there's also a regional adaptation strategy that is really relevant not only for um, those six parishes or or even our coastal parishes, but provides a different way for us to think about climate-induced flooding, land loss, and the repercussions of uh, those environmental changes. So when we're seeing shifts in resources and people, as some folks are 
are able to move um, or make that decision, you know, what does it actually mean to think about housing, to think about access to public health services, to think about transit, economic development. Um, and so that regional document for me is even more exciting because it's definitely relevant for those six parishes and the broader state. So is it fair, Liz, to call it a blueprint that recommends some policy so. yeah. and, and some, you know, some projects, right? Because it, it sure. does specifically do that. Both. Yeah, absolutely. So it absolutely is a sort of blueprint, if you will, and it includes different types of policies, policy recommendations, um, programs, and projects. Uh, so actually, it's been almost... A, a bit over a year now, actually, since the governor announced um, the projects that received investment through the LA Safe planning process. So actually, looking all the way back from uh, to December 2017, at the final round of planning meetings. And you just got married up in yeah. there somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. too. Like I'm not sure 70 where whatever meetings. Yeah. Lots of things That's happened. a great plan yeah, to try it all. To, do it all at once. Might as well. Right? Why might not? as well. Why not? But in that last round of planning meetings in December, residents who showed up to the meetings actually voted on which projects they wanted to see receive investment in their parish. Um, and so you had every one of the six parishes had six eligible projects that could receive funding. All of them were sort of generally met the criteria from the federal government. Uh, and then residents got to pick, you know, where they wanted to see see investment. And so some of those projects are specifically highlighted in the report as well as, like you said, yes. kind of more programmatic things yeah. as well. So, so the projects the projects are sort of uh, more detailed examples, whether mm-hmm. you have an economic um, development incubator in Lafouche Parish. Oh, that's really, one of my favorite parishes. There let's, you go. Let's talk right? about that. Uh, yeah. let, let's talk about Bayou um, but you'll see, you know, increased economic development activities around coastal restoration and water management jobs and fishery support and sort of tra- uh, seeing uh, expansion and diversification of those those regional economies. Um, you'll also see an expanded program for public health in Plaquemines Parish for mental health care support and addiction support in a parish that's really lost a lot of its population from Hurricanes Katrina, Rita, Gustav, Ike, Isaac, and the BP oil spill. Um, so so those types of projects which are receiving funding um, are, are actually sort of expanded into larger scale strategies as policy recommendations, as programs in the adaptation strategy documents. Yeah, because there's things about, you know, new transportation routes and mm-hmm. how do you move people, right? Mm-hmm. Big, big things all the way down. I like your very specific examples, right? right? But it's also very big things. How do we move people uh, out of high levels? And where do we put them? Yeah. How are they received? I- I want to be clear at the at the point of like how how do we move people? The state of Louisiana is right. not taking any steps to actually in any way force people to move. Right. But we are as a region and as a set of actors across sectors trying to recognize where people locally are making decisions already. You know, the people who can afford to make the decision yeah. to move one town up in many cases are, right? And that means there are repercussions to local tax bases, to your ability to maintain social services, to maintain your infrastructure or invest in infrastructure to reduce your risk. You know, in Terrebonne Parish, we've seen three schools shut down. In Plaquemines, we've seen you have to drive an hour to the grocery and Liz, store. It's also where where do they go, right? right? And what about those yes, communities? Are they ready? Are to they receive, ready? Right. If you will, is Thibodeau ready for is that? Thibodeau is ready? ready? Is Mandeville ready? Right? Uh, is Laplace ready? I mean, these are real questions. And so, in those areas, right, you're seeing totally other impacts. You're seeing transportation routes impacted and schools overpopulated, but you're also seeing new housing and development permitted maybe in ways that 
don't allow for rainwater to drain properly. So we kind of saw that tied to the rainfall events of 2016. So uh, we just have a little bit of time left, but a lot of the participants for the LA Safe meetings, they it then spun off this whole other like effort, right? So um, we invested in a program before the launch called Lead the Coast, uh, which is a leadership uh, and development training for local residents who maybe identify as leaders, but not as coastal leaders or environmental leaders. Uh, and so during the LA Safe process, graduates of that program actually uh, were the facilitators of these government-led public meetings. And so we've actually taken a lot of steps since then to expand what that program looks like. And we're very excited about Lead the Coast and, and other programs to lead on climate and where they might be headed. Well, I can't imagine how you're going to get busier or pack more, <laughs> pack more into your I schedule. Think we all feel that way, but I have no doubt that you have many, many more things to come. We'd love to talk to you again, you know, sometime soon about Lead the Coast and maybe its expansion and how people yeah. can participate. Um, but we're glad that you came check in with us right now. Absolutely, thanks for having me. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're on WGSO 990 AM and on Google Play and iTunes. From the bottom of the Marianas Trench, this is ASPN, the American Shoreline Podcast Network. News for the pelagic-minded. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Samoma Laws with Restore or Retreat. I am joined by Liz Williams-Russell, who is the Coastal and Climate Program Director over at Foundation for Louisiana. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Simone. It's we glad, have glad to be so here. much to talk about. We, we just do. need to keep going. I know. We were talking about Lead the Coast and yes. how um, you identified some leaders and some champions, and you're basically training them up on some coastal issues, right? Lead yep. stands for something. Yes. Uh, leadership, education, advocacy, development. Um, and actually, the program is a spinoff of the foundation's larger program called the Together Initiative. Um, and back in 2016, we were working really closely with folks in Plaquemines Parish and talking about coastal land loss, folks were just like, look, I don't really want to hear this information from people outside my community yeah. or up the road or up the river, or up the bayou. You know, where, how do we listen to and work with leaders in our own community? Um, so we really grew from there. Uh, and who are those trusted messengers? Right. right? Uh, you know, whether it's the Neighborhood Association or the Fishermen Association or just the, the neighbor next door who likes to watch the news more than other mm-hmm. people and happens to say more in the loop about what's going on. How do we actually welcome those folks to this space and provide, you know, the time and the resources to actually connect their personal experience to what are these larger trends, right? And the larger data sets, the larger actions being taken at the state or federal level, and also how they can be involved and what are those pathways for actually being involved in in the various things going on. So y'all call them cohorts. They're like classes, right? And you have two cohorts under your belt. So talk about like if someone were to participate, what that looks like. like. Yeah. So um, we 
actually, as you said, we have two cohorts that just finished up. We've actually run six in the last few years. Um, but it's generally a four Saturday program. Uh, there's an introductory program that's a little bit of a, a sort of taster before that mm-hmm. intermediate program. Those are now being run by our hosting partners. Uh, we have different uh, allies and grantees that we work with. The, from the community? From the community. So the Zion Travelers Cooperative Center in Phoenix. I know some of them. Healthy Community Services I on know the 7th floor. There you go. Um, Bayou Interface Shared Community Organizing down in Sarabona Lafouche. Mm-hmm. Um, United Home Nation. We work with a set of different allies. And so they're really going, you know, we're going to reach out through our networks and mm-hmm. get the people here who we know from our community. But across the four Saturdays, um, and I will say we provide childcare and transportation oh, resources awesome. as well as stipends. Um, so we provide stipends at $15 an hour. No reason to not participate, right? right? Yeah. People can choose to donate that back mm-hmm. into the program or they can choose to accept it. They're doing, they're doing work, you know? Um, but across the four Saturdays, they're sort of, you know, how did we get here? Sort of coastal and climate 101. What is the situation, right? There's also lessons on race, power, and privilege. How do we understand how different inequities show up in society? Who are the government players involved and what do they actually do, right? When do you go to CPRA? When yeah, do you how do you talk FEMA? to them, right? When do you go to the Army Corps, right. the local parish right. planning office? Just right? not the government. Exactly. Yeah. Not just the government. Um, but then also facilitation training, organizing training, and advocacy training. And so those are really... So giving them some tools. Yeah, entry points into how do I support my community and take action um, so that we can we can all be in this together. And you get the investment from the community groups, yeah. right? I mean, they're in it, right? They're yes. the trusted messengers and yes. they're the ones in it too. So that's a great way to do it. It's really exciting. We've been working uh, for these last two cohorts with 10 different grantee partners. Um, some of them provide different sort of technical information throughout the different four Saturdays. Some of them are hosting organizations. So they're doing a lot of recruitment. They're providing some of the trainings, uh, but they're also really steeped in that particular community. Um, and so it's really exciting to see all these different sectors, sort of community and nonprofits, but also sort of public, private and mm-hmm. philanthropic sectors sort of collaborating to move this work together. So this mostly was in places like Plaquemines, Terrebonne, kind of Southeast Louisiana. For these two cohorts. Yeah. We've mostly focused, um, in the, in the Southeast a couple years ago, it was, it was definitely more in the, frankly, the LA safe parishes. Mm-hmm. Now, we've really expanded to be uh, more wholly Southeast. Um, But actually, I'm glad you asked that because we're going to be in the process, we're in the process right now of trying to expand coastwide over the next about 18 months. We want to make sure that we're supporting our allies as we move over into St. Mary Parish and all the way over to South... We have some things going on with them right right? now too, right? South Lafayette and all the way to Lake Charles Um, and, and really... Hopefully, we're connecting folks across parish boundaries, right? That there's relationships and trust. I mean, to see graduates of the program in Sarabon Parish calling their allies in Plaquemines yeah. or St. Tammany or Orleans and going, hey, guys, how do we how do we talk to each other on this? And like, 
where do where do we stand and and where do we want to move? I, re- I was fortunate enough to be part of some of those discussions, and it's interesting because it's not parish boundaries. I don't just work here, right? right? It, and it's also, you know, how do you how does watersheds mix into right. that, and how you know some of these kind of terms, right? But it basically almost never goes by parish boundaries. Absolutely. But yet, some of the political subdivisions are divided you work that, that way. way. That's exactly. how resources right. moves. But right. but we all know far too well in Louisiana that water has no respect for those municipal boundaries. <laughs> That's a funny way to put it, definitely. So expansion of the coast, of expansion of lead the coast. Yep. What else? Liz, what else could you pack <laughs> in there over at Foundation for Louisiana? So there were some really tangible lessons that came out of our involvement in the LA SAFE process. Um, really uh, clearly understanding how population movement that is sort of induced by environmental and economic shifts uh, has ripple effects in other sectors, right? So what does it mean to think about migration and think about housing and development? Think about flood insurance and what the costs are and uh, take you know, the moment to make investments there. What does it look like to think about receiving communities and communities that are poised to stay high and dry over time and think about economic development that might incentivize movement to those areas, right, right. but also making sure that that growth is strategic and not haphazard right. because we've seen, we've seen it. you know, right. in Tangipaho and in St. Tammany Parish and other parishes that got hit too with much, the too soon. 2016 floods. Yeah, it, we grew so fast and then our drainage systems aren't necessarily designed to accommodate the water that's falling more quickly with warmer air, right? Um, and combine that with development practices. So we're seeing really, we're ramping up our work in the sort of migration and housing space. We're really uh, spending a lot of time working to connect different allies that we have around the region who are working on economic development in the water management and coastal restoration sectors. How do we think about what small business development looks like at the same time as we're thinking about talent development and individual technical assistance? How do we think about uh, supporting and catalyzing organizations who do industry attack- yeah, like attraction? What, what do you need? Right. Do you but know like, what you need? Yeah. yeah. And is it connected across all these different spaces? So um, right now, you know, we're kind of investing in supporting increased local leadership and sort of people power and also policy recommendations and how do we advocate for those things? But also how do we, how do we sort of create a more Louisiana-centric narrative on what adaptation looks like, and through those three sort of prongs, move and take action together in a more sort of concrete yeah, way. Yeah, it certainly feels like we're leading the way there. We and are. so as much as we can get it right, I think other people will look to us to be examples. And so. 100%. So Liz, where can people find out more information about Foundation for Louisiana, about Lead the Coast? Yeah. Give us some info. So foundationforlouisiana.org. Uh, you'll be able to find out more information about any of the things I've mentioned, whether the Lead the Coast program, if you want to get involved in that program, uh, if you want to learn more about the LA Safe process, you can also go to lasafe.la.gov um, and 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 sort of either of those uh, websites will take you down a set of tangents and rabbit, rabbit holes, holes <laughs> as far as you want to go. Very good. Thank you for being on. We need to have you on more often. Thank you always you so have much. something going on for sure. So thank you Liz you. for being on. Nice to see you. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're on WGSO 990 every Thursday from 5 to 6. We're also on Google Play and iTunes and anywhere you listen to your podcast.